Have you ever wished you could just grab coffee with a top leader in your direct sales company and pick her brain about all the things? Well, you're in luck. My name is Tiffany Spees. Welcome to Directly Different, the podcast where I have conversations with top direct sales leaders and ask them to share what they're doing differently to help them achieve success in their businesses. Direct sales doesn't have to feel spammy or gross. You can absolutely find success in your business by doing things a different way. I want you to feel empowered and inspired to be, well, different. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Directly Different. If we've been friends for any amount of time, there are two things you may know about me. You know I love social selling, of course. And I also love true crime. I know so many of you guys love it too. There's just something about a good story that just pulls you in and you quickly become obsessed with all of the details of a case. So when I came across Mackenzie Foltz, aka Freedom Barbie, I knew I had to have her on the show. She combines true crime with makeup and it is amazing. Mackenzie is a private investigator by day or sometimes by night and also runs a successful saint business and has been recognized for her sales and recruiting. What is her strategy? What is her secret? Well, it may surprise you. The key to her success is letting the world see the real Mackenzie and she'll be the first to tell you that you possess the key to success too. Listen in to how this highly entertaining private investigator accidentally joined a direct sales company and created a life she loved. While your day job may not be as exciting as hers, there's so much we can learn from Mackenzie about serving your audience with authenticity. And if you want a regular dose of crazy PI stories, follow Mackenzie on Instagram at freedom underscore Barbie. You will love her. Hello, Mackenzie. Oh my goodness. This is going to be the best episode ever. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for being a guest on Directly Different this week. We are all in for a treat. Thank you for having me, Tiffany. I'm so excited. Yes. So we are talking about one of my favorite, two of my favorite topics. Number one, social selling. Number two, true crime. <laughs> so <laughs> it sounds so weird. Be, yeah. This is going to be the best mashup ever. So happy I found you. So to start off, to start our really fun discussion today, will you tell us a little bit about you and your family? Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Mackenzie and I live in Tampa, Florida. Um, I have a nine-year-old son and I'm married to a security force, security forces veteran. And we just kind of mind our own business in a little small town here in Florida. So I'm a boy mom, hashtag boy mom. If anybody's a boy mom holler, <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> yes. A boy mom here. And he's also nine. He's almost 10. Actually, he'll be oh my 10 gosh. tomorrow. And so he, but yes, that nine-year-old boy phase, I did ask him, I said, are you excited about being 10 or do you want to stay nine? He's like, I really have liked being nine. I think I want to stay being nine, which was like <laughs> so sweet. I don't know. Can we just do adorable. that forever? Like right. minus the farting, but still it's fun. <laughs> I know so much. I'm <laughs> constantly driving with the windows down. I'm like, can we stop? Always. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but Legos and oh yeah, outside and soccer and video games, all the stuff. It's so fun. All right. So we are just going to dive right in here, Mackenzie. I would love to hear how you became a private investigator. So those who are listening, who don't know you tell us a little bit about what you do and what it's like to 
be a private investigator? Have you always been interested in this field? Tell us, start from the beginning. Tell us how you got into it. Yeah. So um, I was in college. I wanted to get a degree in criminal justice. I wanted to be on the SWAT team. Uh, my dad was in law enforcement. I wanted to be in law enforcement. I'm I loved, I wanted to kick down doors and blow stuff up and, you know, I just, that's what I wanted to do. And so we're coming close to the end of our, of our, um, a program, our criminal justice program. And we're talking to the professor in our class and he was saying, you know, what can you do with your criminal justice degree? And I said, I want to be on the SWAT team. And he said, well, you can't have your nails done if you're going to be on the SWAT team. (laughs) And so I'm like, oh, random, but okay. And I was like, just kind of being a smart ass. And I was like, okay, well then I'll make my own rules and I'll be a private dick. <laughs> like, you know, just kind of being the class clown. And he said, a private investigator, huh? He said, you'll never make it in that industry because you're a girl and that's a man's industry. And so I was like, oh, well, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I kind of just started, I got on the Google machine and I'm tearing it up. I want to know how do you become a private investigator? And I'm Googling all the things and step-by-step, I went through the Florida statute and found the laws and figured out what I needed to do and turned in the application and got the fingerprints and background check and all the things. And next thing you knew, they sent me a license and I got a job and I had somebody who hired me as at least sponsored me as like an intern and then within that next year, after he told me that I was a full blown PI. And so I it was just, that. I know I told my family was like, what are you really going to do? And I'm like, no, like this is my job. And they're like, but what are you really going to do? Like when that doesn't work out, like, no, cause let's be serious. And I was like, no, like, this is what I'm going to do. Like nobody believed me. And so I had to fight even harder to be a PI and make it. And, ob- and obviously it's cool. So like, I wanted to do it, but they they told me I couldn't. So I wanted to. Yes. That's how it all started. Oh man. So you legally blonded it basically. Literally (laughs) legally blonded it. Literally. But like, it's hard. (laughs) Like it's hard. Of course. Of course I'm going to be a PI. Now, how long have you been a private investigator? 16 years. I've been licensed for 16 years. Yeah. You have seen some cases. (laughs) (laughs) So many cases. And mind you, this has been full time. Like this has been my only job my only career, my moneymaker for 16 years. That's how I have brought in an income. I love it. Now, do people still ask you family members and things? Okay. So when are you starting a real job? Has anyone asked you that lately? Or are they like, all right, Mackenzie's she's a private investigator. That's what she does. No, like I had to prove myself. And mm-hmm. then finally they're like, oh, you're a PI. And I'm like, yeah, I try to tell you guys, like nobody, <laughs> nobody listens to me, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you are just out there proving them wrong. I love it. Yeah, I had to. Yes. Okay. So tell us, so for those of us who are not familiar with the typical schedule of a BI, tell us what a typical case looks like, or maybe even a work week. What does that look like as a private investigator? So I specialize in surveillance, which means that I um, do kind of covert sitting on the sidelines, watching what people are doing and document it. So it's kind of like Paul Blart but in a super dark car on the side of the road, watching people with dark tinted windows, nobody knows you're there and I'm videotaping them. And so these are, um, these are workers comp fraud cases. These are, 
um, trafficking cases, whether human or drug trafficking, they're criminal cases. These are cheating husbands, cheating wives. These are domestic child custody cases, locates, missing people. These are like accident recreation. So anything you can think of, I've probably investigated it. Oh my goodness. So are you the yeah. friend that when someone says, Hey, like there's this guy that I know and I yes. not sure about him. You're like, I'm on it. <laughs> I am 100% on it. And so like my typical work week is basically like I make my own schedule. So I kind of, you typically for me, I'm given a caseload of a certain number of cases, like here's names, addresses, and all the information we have on these people. And when we go work them, I basically decide, okay, I'm going to go on this day. I'm going to work them based on what I know about them. Um, so sometimes you have to use your best judgment. If they're, you know, a school teacher, you probably want to get to your house early. Sometimes you don't know what they do. So you have to start early anyways, and you just kind of want to document all of their activity. And so sometimes you're sitting for four or five hours. Sometimes you're sitting for 18 to 20, 24 hours, even longer. So it just depends on the case. Oh my goodness. So 18 plus hours in a car, you have to pee at some point. What do you do? <laughs> Tell us, like, yeah, how do you no, around that? <laughs> that's a very common question. So obviously for guys, it's a little easier. They might have like a Gatorade bottle or something. Um, for me, it's a giant McDonald's cup. <laughs> <laughs> That you just like squat over and you pee into it. But like anything else, like I'm finding the nearest like McDonald's, <laughs> I'm finding the nearest restroom. But like for if you have to go pee, like you can't help it. Like and you're hot and you're sweaty. So you're drinking all day. So mm. you basically just have you got to pee somehow. And I know other investigators who have used like actual litter boxes because oh, right. It, like it's, it's smart. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's smart and it, it works for them. I've never been a litter box girl, but. <laughs> it's just been a cup for me, but it took about a year to learn. But once mm. you perfect it, then the rest of the time is golden. It's fine. No pun I mean, intended. It's part of the job <laughs> that you have. Well, you to can't, learn. you can't leave. Like no. you can't just leave all willy nilly and just like, see what happens. Like you got to stay there. Yes. And you can't knock on their door, be like, Hey, I was in the neighborhood. Can I use your, Can I use your bathroom? By the way, sneak through their filing cabinet. You can't do that. <laughs> all right. So private investigator stuff. Do people ask you, you know, how do you toe the line between legal and illegal? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So um, in the state of Florida, at least we're governed by uh, a Florida state statute 493 and um, different sections kind of determine. So we're so the laws in this statute kind of set us apart from like law enforcement. Right. So we have a different set of guidelines and a different set of rules we have to follow. Um, so as far as the laws of being a PI, some of them do boil down to ethical versus legal um, I'm someone who I, I choose to just do the right thing anytime. Cause I'm so afraid I'm going to get in trouble or like lose my license. I'm paranoid. Like I never skipped school as a kid. Like I was like, mm, cause if I get caught, no, no, I'm just, we're going to do things the right way. So I kind of just believe in doing things the right way all the time, which I think has gotten me kind of far in my career and you want to build a reputation. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting where, Law enforcement might not be able to get some information because they're bound by like, warrants and all this other stuff where I can just kind of, you know, use a little social engineering to get some information. And so that's not illegal for me. And so as long as I'm staying true to my um, moral compass and, and my, you know, ethical guidelines, I just stay within the law and I get stuff done. That's right. Oh, I love that. So have you been able to fulfill your dream of like kicking down doors and 
Anything, no. anything nothing like that? Okay. More of just well, so in cups. <laughs> I kind of, um, it's kind of one of those things where that was ideal. Like how fun was, how fun is that? Right. But law enforcement has a really dangerous job. It's scary. Like there's, you know, there's a lot on the line and it's sometimes it's a matter of like, am I coming home at the end of the day? Um, private investigation, a little less risky, um, a little, a little safer in that it's more hands-off. You're just there to document, right? Like you're, I don't have the authority to arrest anybody or kick down any doors or whatever. Um, a lot of private investigation is more using your, um, your wit and your charm to get information and less violence. <laughs> I like that. I like that. You yeah. saw the Lord gave you, right? Exactly. <laughs> and it's, oh. I love how the, my college professor was like, you're a girl, you'll never make it. And I'm like, no, sir, because I'm a girl, I'm so good at this job. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Oh, People I love underestimate that. me so fast and it gets mm -hmm. me a lot, it gets me a lot further. <laughs> I love that. So have you found yourself in any kind of like sketchy or scary situation, even though you don't do, you know, the kick down door thing? Have you, have you been in some weird, awkward, horrible situations before? Well, yeah. So people still don't like private investigators as discreet as you try to be. There are times when people just know you're there and they know that they don't want you there. They know that you're not supposed to be there. And there's a weird car sitting in their neighborhood. They want to know who's in it. And so they might come up to you and, you know, threaten you. They, I've had people pull me out of the car and like try to beat me down. I've, there's been a lot of scary situations. I've worked in not so great neighborhoods where I've been threatened and questioned and, you know, basically run out. I've been guns. I've had guns pointed at my head. Like there's, what do you do? Like you just, you gotta, I mean, it's scary and it's dangerous, but I've learned over time to just, if someone's approaching me and just kind of leave, <laughs> <Just> drive away. <laughs> yeah. Like if there's a train coming step to the right, like, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's a matter of like, when someone's walking up to you, sometimes you don't, you kind of have to use your best judgment. And sometimes it's not spot on. Sometimes someone will walk up and you're like, Oh, they're just going to ask me what I'm doing here. And then I can just, you know, I'll let them know, Hey, I'm just an investigator. Everything's fine. And sometimes it's, they're not just innocently wanting to ask you. So you got to be careful. So it can get really scary, but for the most part, it's not. That's great. So you spend a lot of time sitting in your car. Yes. <laughs> and we were just talking before we hopped on about different podcasts, true crime podcasts that you listen to, but I'm sure time in your car allows you to work on your business, which is your social selling business, which is yes. Saint. You are an artist with Saint on top of being an awesome private investigator. You also have a social selling business. So tell us a little bit about how, how the heck did you, <laughs> do you do both? I don't know how you got into it. Just tell us the story about how this happened and how you became a saint artist on top of being a private investigator. Yeah, I'd love to. And I love sharing this story because I, I hope that it inspires women like from all walks of life. But I actually um, was when I was younger and when I started, when I became a PI, I was in a stage of my life or my whole entire life where I was the ugly fat girl. That's just what I was. I wasn't very pretty. It was, I, I just, it, I didn't have it. <laughs> and so um, when I became a PI, I kind of looked, I, I looked at my surveillance vehicle as a way for me to hide from the world. And that was my safe zone. I did 
didn't have to be pretty there. I didn't have to. And so that's what I loved about it was that I was secluded and I didn't have to put on a face for anyone. I didn't have to go into an office and wear an outfit that I would never be comfortable in or whatever. Well, about five years into being a PI, I started playing with makeup. It just became something I did while I was on surveillance. And me and my best friend would video chat with one another and we would do different makeup looks. And that's just how we, you know, pass our time. That's what we did together. And so over the next 10 years, my last 10 years of being a PI um, has just been so makeup and I just got really good at it. People started noticing my skill and they would say, can you do my makeup? Can you do this event, brides, prom, whatever. And so little by little, I got really good at makeup and makeup was the one thing that people would compliment me on. I never got complimented on my looks or my hair, my outfits, because I didn't have it, but makeup I could do. And so I, because of those compliments, I wanted to do more makeup. I liked that feeling of those compliments. So I got better and better and better at makeup. Well, becoming a little bit of a makeup junkie and being really good at it, it turned into a craft. And so I just, you know, you'd look online, you'd see all these influencers. And so I saw the Saint girls online and I saw them with their, and if you're not familiar with Saint, it's basically like a, it's a one layer, one compact makeup. And so it's all cream and you put it all on your face and blend it. And it's like magic. And I looked at it and I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've <laughs> ever seen in my life. <laughs> I have to try it because, it's, <laughs> because I'm me. And so I'm like, that's dumb. I have to try it. And so being a makeup girl, I was like, you know, I'm going to try that makeup. Well, they had the artist program, which I thought was just like affiliate marketing. Like I just thought all these girls would like make a post and the company pays them like 15 cents or gives them a referral bonus or whatever. And so they had these different kits you could buy. So I buy this big artist kit thinking it's just like, I'm getting a steal on all this makeup and I could use it on my clients that I do makeup on or whatever. Well, after I ordered everything, I realized what I had done and I kept reading more and I was like, oh, this is a pyramid scheme. And so I run downstairs and I tell my husband, I said, I think I just signed up for a pyramid scheme. What do I do? I don't know. Like, I'm just going to, no way, like absolutely not. And so he's like, slow down. So he made me tell him about it. And he's like, well, you know, people have been telling you for years, you should do makeup videos. And I've always been like, no one wants to hear from the ugly fat girl about makeup videos. Well, so I get this makeup and I'm like, all right, like, let's try it. And I thought it was dumb because I had it in my mind that it was dumb. I needed it to be dumb to match, like, just so I could be right. And so, um, and so I tried it and I was like, this makeup's actually kind of cool. So I made a video online and then some of my friends were like, well, what's that? And I had like nine followers. I had like 71 friends on Facebook, just the people that I knew. And they were like, what's that? And I was like, it's makeup. And they're like, I want to try it. And I'm like, you do? This is dumb, right? And they're like, no, that's actually kind of genius. And I'm like, really? And so then it just little by little, like people were like, can I have, can I do a party with you? And I'm like, what's a party? What do you mean? And these are people that are like, you know, the, my friend, she was like all big into like the Scentsy and she did the pure romance parties and she never sold anything, but she bought everything. And so she's like, you just do a party. And I'm like, okay. So she showed me how to do a party. And I did like five of them. No one showed up. Nobody commented. Nobody liked, nobody did anything. And then like, I, I finally kind of got the hang of it. I was like, Oh, a party. Okay. And then on the sixth one, I had like thousands of dollars in sales and people wanted to sign up under me. And I'm like, do you guys know what you're doing? Was this on accident? Like, did you know you just signed up as an artist? Like, are you, are you serious? And then the rest was just kind of history. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I did this on accident. And then I was just like, oh, like, and then I looked at my commission check that month and I was like, that's not shabby. Like I made good money as a PI. I didn't sign up for the money. I just did it for the fun. And then like, I realized that 
I like, I wasn't depressed anymore. Now I was focused on like something fun that I love to do. And then little by little people were buying makeup and they're like, Oh, I feel so pretty. And I'm like, you do, you feel pretty because of me. And then that was it. Like it was, it became something that I just could not stop doing. And that like the rest was just history. Oh my goodness. I love that story so much. <laughs> the accidental social seller. <laughs> yeah, it really, it literally was like, I, I was like, ew, direct sales, gross. Ew. Pyramid schemes. No, ew, gross. Yes. But now you get it. Like, oh, now I just, I, I love when people get that realization. But like you said, it's not about the money. It's not about, you know, the, the parties and all that kind of stuff. It's when that woman looks you in the eye and says, wow, I feel so pretty in my makeup. Yeah. I mean, how can you say no how to do that you know, how do you, Yeah. And it was like, I know what it's like to be that girl who nobody pays attention to. And so those customers that come to me and they're like, I don't really know how to do makeup. I'm just not, I'm just not a pretty girl. Like I just, I don't know. I have no business doing makeup. And it's like, no, yes, you do sit down. And it's like, I've just been bossing people around ever since. Like, <laughs> no, buy this makeup. Like you need this. Let me show you. And they would do it and they would feel so beautiful. And it just became something that I realized I was like me inspiring them continued to inspire me, which inspired more. And it just grew into this thing that like I did on accident. And I had this belief that like, I shouldn't be a PI. I shouldn't be in direct sales. Cause I don't know what I'm doing. I shouldn't be selling anything. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to recruit people. What does that mean? That's gross. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of people just like, I think they saw that authenticity in me and it was like a little bit of reverse psychology. <laughs> <laughs> where they're like, oh, she has no clue. Let me sign up. And I'm like, please stop it. <laughs> just kind of you don't want to be, you don't want to be my friend. It's okay. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's that's such a beautiful story too. It's very inspiring. Like you said, if someone out there listening is listening and they're thinking I could never do this, you can just, you can accidentally do it and still be successful. Right. You so. can. And you just kind of like, like it, I see why people think that the the um, multi-level marketing and direct selling is predatory. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say that it's predatory and I can understand why people feel that way. But what I've learned is that it seems like the people that think it's predatory are the ones that think that, oh, I just sign up and make money. Like it's hard work. It's you have to treat it like a job. Like if you want to make money in direct sales, you have to show up. You have to show up. You have to show up consistently. You have to show up all the time and you have to believe in what you're doing. And if you don't, like you just can't sign up all willy-nilly for something and then like expect to make money. Like that money doesn't just come. Like you really have to work for it. And I think that's where people think it's predatory. And, you know, I, I can see why they would think that, but it it's work, you know? Mm-hmm. It is. And I think the thing that bothers me too is when people say, well, you don't make money on those things who not everybody joins for money. People join for the community, the friendship, the feeling that they're helping somebody else. (laughs) So no, it's true. And there's, they say you don't make money and you're not going to make money if you don't put in the work. Right. Like I, I call it posting ghost where if, you know, with my team, I talk to them about, you can't just make a post and be like, here's the product and then go away for three weeks. Like no one's going to, you're not going to make any money that way. Making money means that you're showing up and do you expect to just walk into your office and make money? No, like you got to do the job. You know, so that's where the money comes in is when you actually put in the work Mm -hmm. and when you do, and you believe in what you have, that's when the money comes is when you, when you 
promote a product that you love that you and serve your customers, you know, serve the people that you want to show this product to, that's when the money comes, not just by you sitting there pretty and signing up as whatever it is you are. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. All right. So what is your week? What does your schedule look like? We talked about what your schedule is like as a PI. What is your schedule like as a social seller? Do you do this while you're on surveillance? Do you do this at home at night? What does your schedule look like for, for your same business? Yeah. So, um, in the beginning I was a private investigator full-time and I also put in full-time work to my saint business because it was just so fulfilling and brought so much joy to me. And I was, you know, serving my customers so well that I just couldn't stop. And so I really did. I was doing both. I would go do surveillance. I would create content while I was on surveillance. I would do my makeup just as I did every other day on surveillance for 10 years. (laughs) So I did that with my saint makeup. And that's how I started was I would just do the content while I'm on surveillance. And there were times I would have to put my face down midway and go chase somebody or, you know, document, get my video camera and start filming or, you know, whatever it was, but either way, like I was creating my content and kind of combining the two. Um, and then little by little, as I continued to work my saint business, that income kind of overtook my PI income. And so, um, through my consistency, I have been able to kind of put PI as like my side gig and kind of do saint full time. So, For a little while there, though, I was doing both. And that meant doing going to do surveillance during the day, doing my lives at night and doing my tutorials at night, doing my content during the day and just, you know, providing customer service anywhere I could fit it in. And there were times when my husband would say, I got dinner, I got the dishes, you know, go do your live or whatever. So it really was a lot of support from my family and, you know, offering the time to me. And he would say, Hey, you, you go do this, go do your live and you can give the baby a bath and go snuggle with him or whatever. So it was a lot of, a lot of support from my family that came into that. So sweet. I love, I always love to hear about a supportive family because that makes all the difference. Not that someone can't be successful without it, but it really does help. Like, especially when you're a mom and you, when you have a, when you have a supportive partner, he didn't know, he didn't know I was going to be a top seller here. He didn't know I was going to make a lot of money. He just knew that he saw the joy in my face and he saw the fulfillment that I was getting from it. And he's like, please go do it. You know, after surveillance for many years, I would come home and sit and we would just watch TV together. I would color in one of those stress-free coloring books and just to like focus my mind somewhere. But I was bored. I was depressed. My mind was not challenged. There was nothing challenging about my life or my career. And as a PI, you don't get, you don't get accolades. You don't get, Hey, good job. There's no recognition. You just get a paycheck and move on to the next case. And so that's kind of another thing I love about the direct sales world is there's a lot of recognition because that's when you get recognized, that's when you produce more, (laughs) it seems. So I think that that's really, that's really awesome too, is being recognized for your hard work. Yes. And I think as just as women, as moms, that is for sure a love language of of all of us. I think common is that to feel, to hear that we did a job well done. Oh, it speaks volumes. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Means more than a paycheck sometimes. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, Mackenzie, let's talk about some more specific things as it pertains to your Saint business. Tell us about the different systems that you have in place for your Saint business. So you have, you know, how you do your color matches, how you do customer follow-up. Just tell us a little bit about the behind the scenes systems that you are making work for your business. 
Yeah. So when it comes to the sales aspect of my business, um, obviously I start with content. I make sure that there's part of my, my system and something that I do for myself is I create a, a consistent, I create something that's consistent. So my consistency is showing up at least once a day on social media. So I show up with, whether it's a piece of content, whatever it is, I show up once a day on social media. And when I have my, when I offer, you know, to do free color matches for people or whatever it is, I always make sure that there's on my social media, there's always, whether it's in my story or whether it's in a reel, there's always a color match phone number and a, a link directly to me. So if anyone wants to reach me, there's, it's always available. So they're always seeing my face and they're always seeing my contact information. Then as far as my color matches, when someone gets color matched, I make sure that they have all the information they need for their color match. And I make sure to ask them if they need help building a palette or if they want to build their own, it's customizable. So you kind of put everything together in a palette. Um, and so I make sure to ask them what level of help or guidance my customer needs. Once I figure out what level they need, then I help them with that and then just kind of back off, you know, give them a chance to shop or build a palette, whatever it is that they want to do. And then I have a, um, a, another part of my system is the follow-up. The fortune is always in the follow-up. So I'm always making sure to follow up with with them once they get their color match and ask them what questions they have. And so I'm always, um, once I send it, I follow up a couple times, see what questions they have and offer my support. A lot of people are intimidated by makeup. And I know that's a big thing with a lot of the ladies that I talk to. So I really try and offer that customer follow-up that support. And then once they do order, I make sure to follow up again. So now they've ordered, I make sure everybody gets a thank you from me. Thank you for trusting me. Thank you for supporting my business. Once they order, I follow up. How do you like it? How's it going? What can I help you with? Um, I invite them to my beauty group on Facebook and I invite them to stay in touch with me and I make sure that they always have access to me, whether it's by my text or my social media. So that's, I'm really, really big on including that in every single system is being able to reach me. I can't tell you how many times I've seen someone selling something and I'm like, but where's the button? How do I reach you though? How do I get there? And so I make sure that it's easy. So no matter where it is, they know exactly how to reach me. Um, on the business, on the on the team building side of my business, um, when I have someone who wants to sign up as an artist, first of all, I always make sure that I'm talking about my business because if they don't know that you're that you have a business, you're never going to grow a business. So I make it a point to always talk about my business, just like talking about my the product the product that I sell. So when it comes to my business, I make sure they know that this is something that's available to them. And then when someone signs on as an artist, again, I make sure they have all my contact information and I send them a list of my systems and things that are helpful when they get started. So when you get started, come join me here. This is where I'm at. This is where our team is. Come connect with us. Once I get them connected, then I like to show them all the ropes without being overwhelming because I know it can be really overwhelming when you're new and you don't know what you don't know. So one thing at a time, I say, this is a great way to get started. And then we go step-by-step step in the different things they can do to really help launch themselves in their business. That's great. Little bites at a time. Lit you know what? It's funny that you said that because I always teach my team, our 
our theme is like elephants. And I always talk about how do people eat an elephant one bite at a time? And so if your business is your elephant, one bite could be following up with a customer. One bite could be posting a before and after picture of your makeup, little bites of our elephant. It doesn't have to be a million different things that you have to do at one time. And that's how I take the overwhelm away from the business for my team. It's one bite at a time. That's fantastic. I love that. And I love it too, because if you get tired, you take a break and don't take a bite. Yep. And then the next day you get back to it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. exactly it. And I think a lot of, with a lot of direct sellers, I notice that um, a lot of people say, gosh, I just, I don't want to feel pressured or I don't want to pressure anybody else. And I feel like that must mean that there's a lot of pressuring going on. And I feel like when you're kind of when you kind of just sit back quietly and just make it clear that you're there and let them come to you and just kind of lead by doing, you know, people start to see what you're doing. And whenever you just kind of are hands off, they kind of want to follow you just like a customer who says, "Mm, I don't know. Thank you for asking, but I don't know if I want to try your product. And then you just, okay, keep showing up because they're watching you. And those are the ones that always come and say, okay, I think I'm ready now, but it's a matter of watching and seeing that they can trust you, that you're still going to show up. It's the same thing with your product. It's the same thing with your, with your, with your team is, you know, showing up and having, letting them trust you. And I've heard too, we've talked about on previous episodes, if you treat your team, like you treat your customers, I kind of treat it almost the same because there are people who are team members who are just personal users and that's great, but they're watching too. And so you never know when someday they might take the leap to be more of a business builder. Absolutely. And not only that, I I teach my team also when you connect with your customers, I I know you've had Bob Heilig on the show. Um, He talks a lot about connection because that connection is um, transformative instead of transactional, which I love Bob Heilig so much for teaching that. Um, I think that when it comes to connecting with our customers to sell a product. I noticed that my team is in our telegram thread and we're chatting all day with one another and the we're connecting with one another. Right. And I'm like, if you're having a hard time connecting with your customers, do with your customers, what you're doing here, we're just connecting with one another. So mm-hmm. it kind of, it does, it does fit for your customers and your team. We make it so complicated. Yeah, we do. We make it, it has to be super hard. It has to be super complicated. We have to do all these things in order to be a successful social seller, but no, we just have to connect their customers, our team members and take it from there. We do. And I have a, um, as a top seller and a top recruiter in this business, I think it's hilarious because I always say I haven't sold one single thing. I just show up and show what I have. And people are like, Hey, I want that because I'm not bothering it. I'm not, you know, saying, Hey, do you want to, do you want to buy my makeup or whatever, which is not a bad thing, but sometimes the Hey girl messages can get a little desperate, you know? Um, and also with recruiting, I, I'm never like bothering anyone or, you know, saying, Hey, do you enjoy my team? Do you enjoy my team? I just kind of mention it and I say, Hey, this is available to you. Like, this is something that we can do together if you want. And it's interesting for someone to be like a top seller and a top recruiter. And I don't, I have no clue what's going on. (laughs) I'm just showing what I'm just showing up and creating that, those connections and just creating that trust. And I think that's, that's all there is to it really. Yeah. And I think what's important to realize is it'd be easy to, to hear what you're saying, Mackenzie, and be like, well, that's not fair. She just isn't trying, but you have done the work. You have built that ability to connect with people. And so that is what is serving you well. It's not the fact that you just, you didn't just show up on the internet, you know, randomly one day and then people started, you know, paying attention. You have built 
what your business you've built, what you built. And it's, it's no accident that people are just naturally gravitated and attracted to you because you have such a fun connecting personality. So, well, I think it's, and it's also, I really appreciate you saying that because a lot of people do a a lot of people that are newly following me on Instagram or, you know, my social media and they see I have a big following. They're like, Oh, well, it must be easy for you to sell a lot of makeup because you have a large following. But what they don't see is the first, what, eight or nine months last year of my business, the tears that I cried because I wasn't doing enough, or I didn't feel like I could do enough. I was doing eight or nine parties a week. I was trying to earn this incentive trip. I was, you know, I was working literally 24 hours a day. I was doing my PI while I was doing my makeup stuff. And then I'd come home and do more makeup stuff. And then I had to, there's a lot of um, sacrifices I made. There's a lot of time that I didn't spend with my family because I wanted to build this business. And I tried to be like all the other saint artists that I saw. I was trying to recreate their, their content. I was trying to recreate their reels. I was trying to recreate them. And then finally one day I stepped back and said, okay, I'm I'm so tired of trying to be like everyone else. It's not like, this isn't me. I don't feel, you know, authentic to me. And then I was like, you know what? This guy said, I'm not supposed to be a PI, but maybe if I just tell one of these stories, maybe somebody will think it's funny. And so the day that I, it was actually a year ago this week that I posted my first PI video. And I was like, I don't think anybody's going to think this is funny at all, but it was the first time where I actually spoke like I would speak to my friends. I would, I, it was my normal, just the normal way that I would talk. And the day that I showed up, that's the very first video that was like went nuts. And then after that, I just, I was like, okay, all right, success leaves clues, maybe another PI story. And the more PI stories I told and said, spoke just like me. And then obviously I did more makeup videos and I spoke like myself. I stopped trying to talk like everyone else and be like everyone else. And the minute I showed up as me, everything took off. And I realized, I was like, holy crap, I could have been doing this for a very long time and inspiring people for a very long time. So showing up as, showing up as yourself, like showing up as myself was the one thing that just made me sore. And it was not for lack of effort because I put in a lot of work. Mm. I didn't know that. That was when you started combining makeup and your PI stories, which if people, if you're listening and you have, and you don't follow Mackenzie, we're going to get to that in a second, but <laughs> please follow her because her stories are so entertaining. <laughs> there was, I was watching one the other day and I was searching for the part two and then the part three. Cause I'm like, I have to know what happens next. <laughs> what happens? Oh my goodness. And it hooked me. Oh man. I was like, they're interesting. It's like (laughs) 15 years, 15 years of uh, PI stories that I just, I was like, no one's ever going to care about these stupid stories. Cause when you do something for so long, it's not entertaining anymore. It's like, Oh, this guy's, you know, peeing off the back of a boat that's parked in the, you know, parking lot of Barnes and Nobles. It's just another day in the office. And other people are like, wait, I'm sorry. He did what? And you're like, Oh yeah, this is just my life. And they're like, you have to tell more stories. And I'm like, that's dumb. They're like, no, it's not. And so then you just, you show up with you and I am a private investigator. That is, it doesn't define me, but that's who I am. And so kind of bringing that into bringing people into that world, just kind of opened up a whole new world. It was so crazy. Mm, I love that. And the lesson here isn't that you have to be a private investigator, something crazy in order to be successful at your business. You just have to be confident in who you are Yep. and show the world what that is and yep. people will follow you. They'll, they'll hop right on the bandwagon. <laughs> so, and I still, oh. I still was not like, I, it, it wasn't anything where I was, I felt, I mean, I felt pretty in my makeup, but I never like 
I still felt like I was like, this is not great. Like, this is not funny. But what's interesting is that we think so lowly of ourselves that we are not confident enough to show up for ourselves, for our business, for our customers and people. There are women out there. And I say, I mean, I know there's men in direct sales too, but for me selling makeup, there are women out there who need to be inspired by a woman just like them. So it's, you know, you have to remember that there's someone out there who needs, who needs to be inspired by you because you are just like them. So show up because you never know who you can inspire. And that's, I just, just keep showing up. That's, you're going to inspire someone and they're going to need you. Mm -hmm. That's right. Your story is so inspiring. Like you said, it's just a Thank matter of- Thank you so of, much. Yes. It's just a matter of showing up as yourself. And when you realize that, that's when things started clicking and falling into place and I'm not saying you yeah. have hard days, but that's when it started like, ah, okay, here it is. And it's an exciting feeling to come to that point where you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how and can it's I go okay. down this path? And it's okay to, to lack that confidence sometimes, but I always say, and sometimes it sounds kind of harsh, but I'm like, stop being selfish and worry about what everybody's going to think about you and think about how you can serve others with your content or your product or whatever it is. There are women just like you who need to be inspired by someone just like them. Mm -hmm. So just keep showing up. It's not, it's not about us. It's about serving others and really, you know, showing how we can help them. Yes. Yes. And part of you serving your customers is you entertaining them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and your like just, stories. I love just that being me and kind of, and also letting them in to you. Like, are you, whatever you have, whatever is part of your life, whether you are like, I'm a boy mom. If I just shared about being a boy mom, do you know how many women would relate to me being a boy mom or the husband chronicles that I talk about and the silly, the silly stuff my husband and I kind of argue about or whatever, just for funsies and like people relate to that. So whatever it is that you're going through, you are not alone. Someone else wants to go through it with you. So please share it. Mm -hmm. That's right. All right. So I have one ser kind of serious question that I'm excited to hear your answer. So we talked about how you got into private investigation because your professor said, you're never going to do that. You're a girl. Mm -hmm. And then you got into MLMs accidentally. And there's a huge <laughs> stigma Whoopsie. Around, around that industry. What do you think is the stronger stigma? Is there a stronger stigma towards women in private investigation or MLMs? What do you think? I, well, I have no, I don't have a lot of experience in MLMs, just this one and it's right. makeup. So it's all women basically. <laughs> with, I think with the exception of a few, I think there's, I think there's a few male artists, but um, with private investigation, right? There's a lot of um, ex-military, ex-law enforcement in this field. So there's ex-FBI agents, ex-cops, like they retire out of these male-dominated fields and become private investigators. Um, I I will say that there are, I know a ton of female PIs, which most people don't know one single private investigator, but because I'm in the industry, I know many, many female private investigators. So I don't know if it's just because of that, that I think it's not as bad as it used to be, but I do know that there is still a stigma behind it. And I know that I've been out on surveillance and a majority of the time when someone, they can't see inside my car because I have like the double limo tent all the way around. So when someone knocks on my window and I roll down the window and they can see that it's a girl immediately, they're like, oh good. Oh, I thought you were following me. Whoo. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like I was, so but okay. <laughs> being So being a woman, I think it is disarming for some people. So I think that stigma kind of helps sometimes, but there is 
a stigma about being a female because we're more emotionally, you know, driven. And it just in general, I think it's just, you know, a male dominated career. But when it comes to the the MLM side of things and direct sales, especially in something like makeup or, you know, beauty, wellness, stuff like that, that has to do with a lot of women. I think that that is so empowering to be a woman in that. So obviously it depends on the product or whatever, but especially for, um, for me in makeup, it is very, very empowering to see someone who is not a size two. I'm a plus size girl and I, you know, I'm 39, so I'm not, you know, super young anymore. So these women that are my age that are, you know, plus size, or maybe they're a boy mom or whatever it is that they relate to, they relate to you a lot because you're a woman, you know? And so I think that that's very empowering. Whereas being a PI is also empowering to be a girl kind of secretive because you can get away with more stuff, but also there's a bigger stigma. Yes. Oh, I love that answer. So great. You are so beautiful and so inspiring. This has been thank you so much fun conversation. <laughs> so whether listeners are looking for true crime content, which before we hopped on, you said, I said, is private investigation technically true crime? And you said it's like true crime light, which I loved. <laughs> yeah. So it's like true crime light where it's like, I mean, we've done some serious stuff, but I looking back on the cases, like they're funny to me because it's like, that is absolutely ridiculous. The things that I've had to do and the, the roles that I've had to play to get things you have to disguise yourself it's just really funny and so that's why I like to I like to say Paul Blart <laughs> he's, he's like the mall cop and so it's funny to me um some of it's serious but it's it's true crime light it's yeah it's, yeah it's very it's a lighter perfect. version of true crime just the perfect way to describe it so whether <laughs> listeners are looking for some true crime light content some makeup content or most likely both because they're going to they're just going to want to know who you are and they're going to want to follow you and just find out what the heck you're up to. <laughs> How can listeners get in touch with you and where can they go to follow you? Yeah. So, um, you can find me on Instagram or TikTok at freedom underscore Barbie. And also, um, our, you can find me on my podcast. It's called the dating detectives. And we like to talk about the dogfish, what we like to call dogfish liars, con men of the dating world and cheating cases and people that are just kind of lying and ravaging the, the relationship realm. Hmm. <laughs> I love it. So if you guys are looking for just some pure entertainment from somebody who's in the social selling industry. Mackenzie is your girl for sure. <laughs> yeah. Come follow. You'll be, I think it's the, the, the PI stories that I like to tell on my, on my socials are really fun. It's just a really quick minute and a half long story that I just can't cram everything into, but if you want the longer version and, um, to listen to some other like really wild stories, you can listen to the dating detectives. Love it. Mackenzie, thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your story. And yes, we, covered so many random things, but it was such a good <laughs> conversation and I just thoroughly enjoyed it. So thank you so much for being on the show this week. Thank you for having me, Tiffany. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, you guys. Thank you so much for listening in to this week's episode. In my opinion, it's way more fun to share life with a friend. So if you loved what you heard today, feel free to take a screenshot and post it to your socials so your friends can listen into the show too. Don't forget to tag me at Directly Different Podcast and I'll be sure to give you a shout out. Speaking of social media, follow me on Instagram at Directly Different Podcast. 
and send me a DM. I'd love to continue the conversation. I'll catch you guys in the next episode.